you go ahead and turn them to 1 Peter, because we're going to keep marching through, and I think that it can never be uh, forgotten that God is so at work um, if we just acknowledge him and get ourselves out of the way. You know, it's, it's interesting because... Um, there's times when we want to, we, we always, don't we? We always want to keep everything together. We want to we have control. We want to know what's going on, what we can do about it, what exactly our part is to play, and we want to feel on top of that, you know, because when we go into circumstances, we go into things and we feel like we're undone, that makes us scared, right? Uh, if you, I don't know how many of you are performers, but I, Tony and I did a little thing last night at one of the local churches because they asked us to. And we didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare for that. Anybody that's a performer and you don't feel like you have adequate time to prepare your performance makes you nervous. If you have a big interview coming up and you haven't had any time to prepare, you feel like you haven't had the right time to prepare, sometimes that makes us feel very uncomfortable, right? Well, sometimes, though, that's exactly where we need to be in our life with the Lord. And... I tell you what, this morning I had some things come up. I have a normal routine on Sunday mornings. Had some things come up that de- that detoured my normal routine. Routine, and even as even as we were singing and as you know we're doing the first part of the service, I was just feeling like, man, I, there's just I don't know if I'm ready for the message and stuff today. And it's it's just amazing how the Lord fills in our empty places and fills in our valleys and makes his purposes known. I think that was done this morning, so I'm excited to share with you. We're going to be reading 1 Peter chapter 4 today, uh, starting in verse 12 and going through the end of that chapter to verse 19. We're going to read that, we'll pray, and then we will get started here. So 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed." But let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous, are, if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you ourselves in this time. Father, we acknowledge that you made us, that you know us, that you know the things that hang us up. You already know the things that hang us up. And so, Lord, I ask today that you would, as only you can, clear all of our hang-ups and our doubts, the things that make us stumble I ask, Lord, you'd clear them aside today that we might hear your voice, that we might be made like you, and that we might be able to see fiery trials the same way you do. 
Lord, I pray that you would clear space in our hearts and my heart even today uh, just to receive what it is that you have for us. Lord, I ask that you would be in this time, that you'd send your spirit. Lord, that you'd smooth my wrinkles and guide my words today and guide all of our hearts as we look into your word. For we are yours, and we ask in Jesus' name, amen. It's interesting, I think, how this, uh, how this passage, well, you know, we've been talking an awful lot about suffering. This whole, you know, there's a whole chapter we've been, or this whole book, we've been talking a lot about suffering and, and uh, how we set our hearts aside and different things like that. The, today, it seemed to me that, the, that the, that kind of thinking kind of comes to a culmination as we end this chapter of First Peter. Because we've been, we've been talking an awful lot about suffering, and yet, and yet uh, sometimes I think we don't grasp a hold of what our hardships in our lives actually do for us. You know, we just want to get out. We just want to get rid of them, right? How many of you would say that you had this week, between last Sunday and between today, had a fiery trial, we'll call it? Who had a fiery trial? A couple. Probably more than that. Some of you maybe have physical disabilities. You can't get your, can't get your arm up. Maybe. maybe that was a fiery trial that you had this week. But yeah, we each, all of us, if we were honest, right, we do have trials. Now, some of them are not as, you know, literally fiery. You know, nobody's, hopefully nobody's house burned or anything like that. There's no fire involved. But we do have things that we have to try to overcome. We'll call those our fiery trials, okay? These stumbling blocks that, that go in front of us, and it's a test, you might say, of circumstances or how are we going to respond or whatever. We have, a, we have a, a, a trial. And last week we talked about, and man, some strong words from Peter last week. Uh, in the first part of this chapter, he says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh... Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. This idea that if we arm ourselves with the thinking of Christ, with that same mindset that suffering actually clears space for our cleansing, that we can equate that with being armed, with a weapon that we can use against the enemy, a weapon that we can use for victory. In this week, as it, he goes on to say that if we're insulted or if we suffer for the name of Christ, that we're blessed. That, that this, this spiritual concept of the spirit of glory or power, you know, might have a note in your Bible, the spirit of power, the spirit of God's glorious power rests upon you when you suffer for him. But it's, it's, it's real interesting to me. And I, and I felt that it was, it was something that should be looked at, was that he also talks about, so he's on one hand, he's got suffering for the name of Jesus, and on the other hand, Peter keeps talking about this, on the other hand, he says, uh, let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. There's this line of distinction that Peter draws in this passage that I think is worth us noting. Because as after all, one thing that God always does, one of the elements of his character, we talk about this off and on as we do, you know, uh, discipleship classes or whatever it was we've done through the years, is there are some things that God always does. 
these character qualities of him that he always exhibits. Can anybody name any of them from past things? I'm putting you all on the spot. God is always, since the beginning, is always creating. He's a creative God. He's always just letting life loose. That's one of his elemental characteristics of God is that he's, he's creative. He is a creator. He's always creating. Another one of God's characteristics is that he's always redeeming. So while he's always creating, he's also always, always at work taking things that are broken and making them whole again in a way that only he can. Always creating, always redeeming, fixing, building back. Another thing that God is always at work doing is a little bit harder to grasp or harder to understand, but I see it all the time. God is always drawing these lines of distinction. So kind of like you could call it judging, you could call it discerning, but it's built into all of his creative and redemptive activity is this idea of contrasts. For example, as God creates the world in the beginning, in the, in the beginning account of Genesis, what's he say? Let there be light. So in the very beginning, as God is creating he is drawing a line of distinction, right? Between what? Light and dark. And as God makes this line, this hard and fast line that cannot be crossed, he expresses himself, he creates, and who knows? Could you call it an act of redemption? For what was formless and void, he turns it into something that is formful and full these things that God is always doing. Well, here Peter draws a stark line of distinction between different types of suffering. And it's, it would be good for us to pay attention to this because I think it hits me right square between the eyes and it might hit you square between the eyes too. What's that line of distinction? He draws a line of distinction between suffering that is full of glory because it is for God's glory and suffering that we bring on ourselves. Do you see the line there? Let me just reread it real quick here. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but re rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted by the name of Jesus, if, if you are insulted for, sorry, for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But, line of distinction, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. There's a difference. There's a difference between suffering in fellowship with Christ and suffering outside of the fellowship of Christ. And it would do us good to notice that. So, okay, in our lives, do we see, or can we see, can we compute and dial down and understand the just suffering that we experience versus the unjust suffering that we experience. 
oftentimes, you know, we just know that it's unpleasant. And that's sometimes as far as we think, right? Well, how, you know, I wake up this morning and I feel bad. <laughs> sometimes that's as far as we think. And then we go down the rabbit hole of, woe is me. You know? Hey, I've been there. I, I kind of am there right now, if I'm honest with you. Uh, I messed up my neck somehow. Uh, and, and it hurts real bad. And I went to the chiropractor, and then it hurt even worse. Uh, now I'm trying to get back to the chiropractor, but I'm too busy working to get to the chiropractor. Whoa, is me. I'm just hurting. You know? And we can get sort of caught down this rabbit trail, down this self-imprisoned idea when, when our things just aren't going the way we want. And perspective on why it is that we're going through a hard time, why it is that we're suffering is so critical, and it will make the difference. How we view the hard things that we go through, how we view the pain that we go through, will make a huge difference on whether or not, I want you to hear me, well, how we view this will make a huge difference on whether or not we can receive that which Christ wants to do in our lives. It can be like a wall. My grandpa always used to, have to say this to me when we were over at their house, and I would stand between him and the TV. You know what he'd say? He'd say, hey, you, probably, Mom, you probably remember, you make a better door than you do a window. <laughs> Basically, what he was saying is, I'm standing in between him and what he wants to see. The way we perceive our suffering can stand directly in between Christ, which is where we want to go, and us. Let me just, there's a couple songs that come to mind. Both are, have the same title, and both are based on the same old spiritual song. Anybody know the song, Talk About Suffering? Talk About Suffering Here Below. Anybody know that one? Nobody knows that one? Well, prepare to be enlightened here. Old song. Talk About Suffering Here Below. It's a very old song. Some of, the, some of those, like, classic, uh, like, classic, classic country artists did it, you know, like, like Ricky Skaggs and, and uh, Doc Watson, if, you, if any of you know those guys. My favorite version of this song is sung by the Blind Boys of Alabama. Anybody know the Blind Boys of Alabama? They're, they're uh, okay, man, I'm striking out with things you guys know today. Anybody seen the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Okay, now we got a contact point. Okay, you, you know the guys in that movie that are digging the graves? Oh, dead. no, not that guy. Uh, uh, what are the song are they singing? Yeah, you've got to go to that lonesome valley. Okay, those guys are the Blind Boys of Alabama. They made a cameo in that movie. They're a group of guys from Alabama. Okay, that are blind. Okay, and and they are they sing beautiful. They sing these awesome old spiritual songs and let me tell you what they sing from a place of understanding because these guys are born blind they've had they've been handed a hard lot you know and uh and many of them i mean you know they're they're black they're from alabama they're really in tune with that whole culture and they they sing a version of this song this is how the lyrics go the old version of the song talk about suffering here below Let's keep talking about Jesus. Talk about suffering here below. Better keep talking about Jesus. 
The gospel train is coming. Don't you want to go and leave this world of trouble and sorrows here below? Talk about suffering here below. Let's keep talking about Jesus. Good song. Especially the way they sing it. You know, I could never do it justice, you know. Talk about suffering here below. Let's keep talking about Jesus. I mean, it's just, you know, it's got that cool uh, vibe to it. But what they, are, they say, you know, yeah, you can talk about suffering all, all day long, but what, what do we need to focus on is Jesus. Let's keep talking about Jesus. It's an old song. Old song, and people have been singing it for ages, reminding themselves that we can talk about suffering here below. We can talk about it. We can talk about it. But what we need to be talking about is Jesus. Now, there was a new band in the last 10 years or so that took this song. They, they didn't last very long. There was a duo, a duo from the Colorado area. They called themselves Stetson and Sia. Anybody heard of them? Nobody has heard of them either. Okay. I have, I have the obscure music collection, apparently. But they also have a song. Talk about suffering. And this is, the, this is the lyrics to their song. And I want you to hear the contrast, okay? Don't you talk about suffering here below. I could show you a thing or two. Don't you talk about suffering here below. I can show you what the devil can do. I was born on the wrong side of town where a good girl never should go. I fell asleep each night to the sound of a fight and the police breaking the dough. Little baby born, little baby dies. No time for flowers or drying your eyes. Daddy caught a fever till a bullet caught him. Mama slipped away on a case of slow gin. Don't you talk about suffering here below. I could show you a thing or two. Don't you talk about suffering here below. I can show you what the devil can do. Okay, now, it would be way more fun for all of us if I could play those for you. I wasn't prepared to do that today, and that's okay, because that would take too much time that we don't have anyway. But the point is, in all of this, is that when we suffer, it's very hard for us but it's completely critical for us to view what it is that we suffer, to view what it is that we suffer through the lens and in the light of the person of Jesus. So critical. So critical. We always hesitate to do that. Don't we? If we really were honest. We hesitate to do that for lots of reasons. First off, if we look at our sufferings in, through the lens and in the light of Jesus, who he is, what does it do immediately to our sufferings? Always. It diminishes them. Doesn't it? It should. And what's the last thing we want to do when we're in the middle of our pity party? Diminish our sufferings. We want to think that, that our sufferings are big and great and, and way worse than anybody else's. It's true. But there's another reason that we're hesitant sometimes to view our sufferings in the light of Jesus. And he is the light of the world. He does illuminate. He makes, he makes the real truth known with his light, the other reason is that, that we don't want to look at our sufferings and the things that we're going through in the light of Jesus because so oftentimes 
so oftentimes we can be singing our woe is me and experiencing this hard time. And if we were really honest, if we let ourselves to be honest, and we let ourselves view all the things that we're going through in the light of Jesus, we might find that we did it to ourselves. You with me? Not every time. And I'm not trying to diminish things that you are going through and saying that they're not hard or not important. Because the worst thing we know is the worst thing we know, right? When you wake up hurting, you hurt. When something bad happens, you have a loss, it hurts. When you're painted into a corner, maybe not even by your life choices, but by somebody else's life choices, to where somebody did one thing and another person did another thing, and all of a sudden you find yourself without options. It's not fun. So a couple of things that I want to land on today with this passage. And, and the reason being is we don't want things to stand between us and the Lord. If we, if we have things that are between us and God, it would be foolish for us, right, to fight, to keep them there. First thing, I guess. Trying to make a decision here. Which way I want to go. This passage that we have today here speaks a lot. Because as, uh, you know, after hearing about the revival going on in Kentucky from, from Christy, you know, I, I, uh, said, I said to myself, you know, well, I even said in the prayer, may it be so here. You know? And as I said it, I was instantly convicted as I said those words. Even as I, I was praying to God and I was saying, may it be so here, I felt convicted. Because the light, sort of the light of Christ, you know, oftentimes says, well, well then why not here? You know? Why not? Because you're not willing to go there. I'm not. You're not. Whoever. What, like, we, aren't, we haven't been willing to go there. This, ver- the, this passage just jumped out at me while we were singing because... It says in verse 13, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. That you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. But I so, I wonder so often if I would be. And it might sound like, might sound ridiculous. Would you be glad when his glory is revealed? Because when his glory is revealed, what's it do? It makes us nothing. What stands in the way, I think a lot of times, what stands in the way between us and revival, or if you want to label it that or whatever, breakthroughs in our spiritual walk is that we're, we just don't want to let go of our, of our things, of our pain, of our, of our, of our sufferings. This very morning, 
I was given a little bit of an illustration because, as I told you, and I'm not, I'm not playing my little, my little uh, sad violin, okay? I, do, I don't want your sympathy, okay? I don't want it. My neck is killing me. I woke up, I mean, haven't been able to sleep for several nights very well because I just can't get it right. I've been working so I can't get into the chiropractor. But something happened this morning, okay? So I'm hobbling into church, you know, and I'm, you know, acting all pity party and woe is me because I got my neck thing and whatever. And Tony is probably laughing in the nursing room because I've been a baby about it, probably. But this morning, we, were, we, we got here. They changed that component with the sound system this morning. And, and the worship team starts playing, and I'm real excited, you know, because we got it. And then what happens? Same thing happens again. We're like, oh, we didn't get it. What's going on? And so James and I go to work, and, you know, we flip into, we flip into let's get this mode. And, hey, I, it hasn't happened yet, has it, James? I think we found, I think we actually, actually for real found it this time. Anyway, um, worked for an hour on that with James somewhat intensively because, you know, 10 o'clock's coming. I didn't feel my neck pain one time in that hour. And I just realized that after we got done, I was like, oh. Why is that, I wonder? Why do you think it is? Cody? Huh? What? Who said that? I quit feeling sorry for myself. I got busy doing what? Well, I hope. It says here at the end. For it's time to judge. Time for. Sorry. No. Verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. If, first step one. If we get busy doing good. Our problems become, we feel them less. And that's a fact. If we get busy doing good, we feel our own suffering less. We stop having a pity party, we get busy, and we start building the kingdom. But the second thing is, the second thing is scarier. That one's easy, you know, because we could... Okay, well, let's get busy then and, like, do all these projects so we can forget all of our crud and whatever. The second one is harder. Verse 17 says, For it is time for judgment to begin at the, house of, at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel? And this little section here, it says, If the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? I so often wonder, so often wonder, why do we resist? You know? Why do we resist launching into seeking God's presence and the fullness of his restoration in our lives? Why do we resist? I resist. I don't know why. I think we all do. See, if Christ himself... Let me, let me back up. The more we choose to step into his presence, the more we choose to step into his light, the more and more and more of us will be revealed. That's a scary thing because there are parts of us that we don't want to reveal. 
But that is the pathway to life. That is the pathway to revival. That is the pathway of glory and power for his church. The first thing that we feel when we come into his presence is a sense of, I think, that's what I feel. Maybe, maybe we'll take a survey. When you come into God's presence, do you ever feel an element of judgment? I, yeah, I'm glad we got some nods, because I do. When I come into his presence, I feel, wow, I'm not worthy. Wow, I fall so short. But he doesn't. I think we resist the fullness of Christ's presence. We resist his revealing. We resist his power. We resist outright revival because we want to avoid that sense of judgment that we're going to feel or things that we're going to have to deal with. It says right here, judgment, it's time for judgment to begin at the household of God, right here. (laughs) And that should not be a scary thing. That should not be a scary thing and it should not be a shameful thing because guess what? All have sinned. All fall short. There is n- it shouldn't scare us. What's at stake is the kingdom. And we have to remember, I'm going to end with this. Love. We talked about last week in this passage In verse 7 of chapter 4, it says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. And God is what? Love. Church, I don't know how to, I do not know how to offer it in any other way except that if we want more of Jesus, if we want more of him in our lives, if we want a greater sense of his power, if we want a greater sense of his, of his presence, if we want to stop living in our, in our silly sufferings, and if we want to start exploring the endless, aboundless waters of his kingdom, it starts with we have to let his light shine in our hearts and begin to weed out those things that cannot stand in his presence. I don't know what they are for you, and that doesn't matter. Let it be said that the people of Tainer Church took it seriously. Lord Jesus, I ask today that you would come and fill in the empty holes, the places where we have chosen to not let you shine your light in our hearts. Lord, It is time for judgment to start in the household of God. And I just ask, Lord, that you would guide us. That by your living word and your living spirit, that you would just, to even today, just 
come and guide us into what that needs to look like for each one. Lord, areas where we need to allow a little bit of suffering in fellowship with you, and we need to deny a little bit of the suffering that we bring on ourselves, whether it be our choices or someone else's or whatever it is that causes us to kind of have a pity party. Lord, teach us the difference. Teach us today what saying yes looks like to you. Maybe it means praying. Maybe it means confession. Maybe it means dancing. Maybe it means singing. Whatever it means to step into the next level of fellowship with you, yeah, it might cause us a little discomfort, but oh Lord, what's at stake is your glory. So teach our hearts that truth today. Help us, Lord. Teach us that reality. And, and Lord, declare war on the things that stand in the way. Because often we're just not strong enough to counter them ourselves. For we are yours, Lord Jesus. Have your way in us. In your name, your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen.